me, me, ABC here. And I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something with this show, all right? Well, first of all, let me introduce myself properly. So I'm ABC, and I'm the hero host of this show. And in this show, going forward, I'm going to take modern dating. I'm going to disembowel it for your entertainment. So if you have questions, comments on anything about your dating life, about relationship management, give me a call. Let's talk about it. Now, this show on Blog Talk Radio, right? Now, I have a, I have a podcast on SoundCloud, and with this podcast on SoundCloud, see, what I used to do is I used to record, I used to pre-record my podcast and then upload it to SoundCloud. And uh, my cat's waking up. I'm going to go back to sleep. All right. So um, I used to record my show on – pre-record the show and upload it to SoundCloud. But what I what I found out was that the reason why I like Blog Talk Radio – I came back to Blog Talk Radio. I took a hiatus from SoundCloud. I came back to Blog Talk Radio. The reason why I like Blog Talk Radio is because I get to have call-in. I get to have call-ins, and I, I can dialogue with my call-ins. It's like an actual radio show. What I don't like about Blog Talk Radio is the sound quality. The sound is a lot like AM radio, and I get it. I might be your sick or whatever. But I never did like it. I always like high-quality audio. The only way I can get high-quality audio is if I record, if, if I pre-record, because I use uh, recording software, things like that. So what I did was I found out a way to fuse the two. Now, I'm still going to be on Blog Talk Radio. I'm still going to do these shows live here. So if you're wondering if this Blog Talk Radio is going to go anywhere, it's not. So if you um, so if you want to subscribe and follow this show, by all means do so because I will still be doing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. However, I am also going to be uploading to SoundCloud. And the reason why this is is because – as of right now, I have two of the same podcasts going on Apple Podcasts. I have this Blog Talk Radio show that publishes the Apple Podcasts, and I have the SoundCloud that publishes the Apple Podcasts. And so what I'm going to do is when I publish the Apple Podcasts, I'm only going to use the SoundCloud. Now, the SoundCloud is going to be a direct port of this show, except it's going to be in higher quality audio. So if you want to catch a higher quality audio version of this show, go to my app, go to my go to my podcast on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. It's gonna be um it's gonna be the ABC podcast. All right. Don't 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 subscribe to ABC's modern dating show, whatever whatever the other one's called. Subscribe to the ABC podcast. That's going to be the one. And that's gonna be the higher quality higher quality audio. So for the future and 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 I'm also in the works to make this a daily podcast thing. So I do kind of want to do this as a daily show, depending on a certain couple of things, but things have transpired in my life that I think I will be able to do a daily show among the other things that I do. And um I'll put more I'll put more out about that on my Facebook. But I really do want to make this a a daily thing because I do want to put out as much content as I can. I want to squeeze as much content into a single month as I can because this is gonna this is my thing and this is what I love to do. And who doesn't like doing what they love to do every day for for their life? 
So for here going on, I want to make this a, I want to make this a daily thing, and it's going to be on Apple Podcasts, and it's going to be a high quality. It's going to be a high quality thing. None of this. I mean, you can listen to it. You can catch the repeat on Blog Talk Radio. It's going to be like getting showing by. It's going to be lo-fi, or perhaps the hi-fi is going to be on Apple Podcasts. So that's that. So on today's episode, well, that's kind of what I wanted to do. That's what I kind of wanted to talk. What I wanted to talk about first was that. But in this show, what I want to what I want to do is I'm going to talk about later on in the show. I'm going to talk about the importance of learning about people's family situations growing up, because when you're on that date and you're trying to vet, an important thing that I think that goes overlooked sometimes is, hey, tell me about your parents. Tell me what it was like growing up. So I'm going to get into that. There's going to be a whole spiel about that probably in the second hour. Again, phone lines are open all show, and if you want to call in, it's 563-999-3596. Give me a call, 563-999-3596. And if you have a question for me, if if you have something in your dating life that you need to that we need to like work through or if there's something a relationship management issue or even with some positive negative cut whatever you have on your mind whatever's on your mind go ahead and call me also what i wanted to do is today is and i'll probably do this probably do this at least once a show maybe at different points but i want to do this once a show and I want to go through some dating profiles, right? Some of these profiles on dating sites. And I want to read to you, and I'm going to describe them because I understand it's not a vlog, it's not a video, it's not a video blog, this is a radio blog, it's audio only. But I kind of want to describe some of these dating profiles. And I want to give you the good and bad and indifferent about them. And I want, I'm going to say from a man's point of view, whether some of these women, whether there's hope for some of these women or there's not. Okay, so I'm, kind of, I'm going to do that today with some profiles from OKCupid. Um, but, but, but I will also, I'll also read from like Plenty of Fish and Tender. And I'm not sure if I'm going to do Bumble. I might do Bumble. I might. I've heard things about Bumble. I don't know. I've never been on it, but I've heard things about it. It may make for good content. We'll see. But, um, I'll put that in the works. I'll work that out this weekend and I'll put it in the works and then we'll do that. It just makes for, you know, it just makes for content filler and things like that. Just things to talk about, especially in this age of online dating, which I'm also going to talk about in the future, probably next week sometime. I'm talking about online dating and how to, how to choose a profile, right? I guess this is, it's kind of a thing that I want to do today tell you about these profiles and what's good and what's bad about them and what to look out for, things to look for, and things that could be red flags, things that could be green lights, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly about these things. So that's what that's, that's what's up. Now, for my introductory thing. So my, my, uh, my SoundCloud, I uploaded my SoundCloud. People are like, well, you were a lot of ooing and umming and things. Okay, yeah, the re- and the reason why that was was because, and if you go to my SoundCloud, you can listen to it. It's there. I think it's already also uploaded to Apple Podcasts. But it was because 
there was an article that I was looking for that I could not find, and it's pretty frustrating. But I want to talk about something, but it's not there. What's even frust- even more frustrating is when you find it after the show, which I did. So I pulled it back up, and I kind of want to talk about it now because I I had to wrap up the last show without talking about it. But I said I would talk about it because it's 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 pretty important. So what I want to do is I want to get into that. I want to get into that pro that uh, that particular article. And I already talked about well. So let me go back into this. Let me go back into this again. So Allure Magazine, and I alluded to it on my SoundCloud, on the last show on SoundCloud. This article on Allure Magazine is written by a woman named Rosemary Donahue. Now, if you look at Rosemary Donahue's, Donahue's Allure profile, her, her profile pic, if you just look at her picture without reading the article, and if you go to allure.com slash contributor slash rosemary dash Donahue, you can look at this you can look at this woman's picture and just by if you just look at her picture and not read the article, then you would understand you kind of understand her frame of mind because like I said in my SoundCloud. This woman has a look on her face in this profile picture that now if this were on something like – if this picture were on something like an OkCupid okay or a Tinder or a Bumble or something like that, she would – nobody would swipe right on her. Nobody, right? Because – the reason why is because she has a look on her face as if she asks her boyfriend something that she hopes to catch him in a lie. You know that you know that that look that, and I don't know if some of you men have actually went through that have gotten that look. But when your girlfriend asks you something and hopes to catch you in a lie, and she has that look on her face like, "Okay, yeah, now I got you. Now answer me, MF." She's got that look on her face. So if you if you see this, you you would understand the look if you've seen it. So go go to allure.com/contributor/rosemary-donahue and um, look at this. She has that look on her face. So automatically you would you would have certain expectations from the article that she wrote. And I'm telling you the article didn't disappoint. So let's go back to the article, right? Because in this article she talks she's trying to talk about trying to talk about fatness and physical attractiveness, right? Now the the study that she cites, she tries to discredit the study. The problem is the study has uh it's the study has it, there's fact, there's fact rooted in ev- evolutionary biology. So this is what I'm trying to say. There's fact rooted in evolutionary biology in the study, and she read the abstract, and she had a problem with the abstract because, again, feminist indoctrination. Feminist indoctrination says that it doesn't matter how fat a woman is; every woman deserves love. Every woman deserves. Happiness, every woman deserves um, deserves a shot at finding a mate. doesn't matter if she's 95 pounds or 400 pounds. She's beautiful, right? This is, what, this is what feminism says. Evolutionary biology says something quite different. Evolutionary biology says there is a range of BMI. And, this, and, she, and it's funny because she tries to discredit BMI, but we'll get into, we'll get into that. But... Evolutionary biology says that there is a range of body mass that's considered green, right? 
Under under the BMI range would be yellow, red in the negative. Over the BMI would be yellow to red in the in the positive. The the uh the the, the what am I trying to say? The optimum BMI is between 19 and 24. Solid. It's set, right? And I would even go so far as to say 19 and 25, because over 25, you're starting to get overweight. Now, there are – now, I'm not saying – that's not to say that there aren't men who aren't attracted to women that are between 25 and 29. And I, and I even called the last, the last show on SoundCloud, if you go back and you see it, it's called Ballad of 29. And the reason why I call it a Ballad of 29 is because 29 – BMI of 29 – is the cutoff rate of what's considered normal or healthy, right? Over 29 is going to be considered overweight. Over 30, overweight to obese. Over, let's see, 29 to 34 is overweight considered obese. Over 35 is considered morbidly obese. That's when you start getting into, I mean, 29 to 35, 29 to 34 is where you start getting into like hypertension, and things like that, maybe um, maybe uh, some other cardiovascular problems, but it's manageable, right? Over 35 and over is where you start getting into diabetes, liver problems, uh, extreme hypertension, uh, things like this, uh, gestational, uh, gestational preeclampsia when you're pregnant, all these things that are associated with being morbidly obese joint issues and muscular ish, musculoskeletal issues and all this stuff that's related to being morbidly obese. Feminist indoctrination says this woman, it's the hazing, healthy at every size, which is absolute garbage. No such thing as healthy as, at every size because as you get bigger, then there, are, there will be fat deposits where fat deposits shouldn't be, like around your liver. Fatty liver is a thing. And when you have fatty liver, your liver is not going to process, it's not going to filter your blood the way it should. When you have fat deposits around your pancreas, it's not going to produce insulin like it should, which is why you have diabetes when you're overweight. I mean, this, this is a thing. That's why healthy at every size is such garbage. Back to this article. So the article is called This Study, This Study About Which Types of Women Bodies Men Prefer is Pointless and Irresponsible. Here's why. By Rosemary Donahue, July 15, 2017. So it's quite a few years ago. I hope she actually did some kind of learning, but judging from who this woman is, I seriously doubt it. So the article starts off like this. It says, the study that didn't need to exist in the first place had results that will surprise no one because that's the way things work these days. So there's her attitude. That's that is in the first line she puts forth her attitude about these things in the first line, right? To go on, it says the study published in Peer J, and we'll go to Peer J in a bit, right? But it says the study published in Peer J, entitled "The Relationship of Female Physical Attractiveness to Body Fatness." Aimed at aimed to examine exactly what the title suggests, how physically attractive women are to men because heteronormativity. So this woman automatically believes in the in the concept of a heteronormative patriarchy, which is garbage. Because if there's a heteronormative patriarchy, how is it that LBGTQ and trans rights have 
gain such traction in a heteronormative patriarchal society. It makes no sense whatsoever. But because she believes in heteronormativity, this is where her attitude towards these things comes from, even though if women subscribe by and large to the things that she's trying to convey, women will be miserable. Just They will be miserable, and women in droves would just – and I'm going to get into that in future shows because there is an air of truth to that. But here, it's, it, all, it all begins with articles like this. Women reading articles like this and ingesting this and internalizing this and wrecking their own lives because of it. But let's continue. Um, how physically attractive women are to men because of heteronormativity based on their body fatness. The abstract of the to the study holds its wait, the abstract to the study itself holds some real gems about the relationship between health and aesthetic. Like this funny little quote. quote Aspects of the female body may be attractive because they signal evolutionary fitness, which is absolutely true. Greater body fatness might reflect greater potential to survive fatness. This is true, because as and just as famines happen and you do have that body fat, your body relies on consumption of that body fat in the absence of calories, and that's what keeps you alive during famines. So this is where overweight people. Not obese people, but overweight people fare better than, I wouldn't say under, yeah, I could say underweight people. Underweight people and normally weighted people fare better than underweight people where famines are concerned because when a famine happens and you're underweight, your body, and ask any, ask any person who's ever suffered from anorexia, bulimia, and they'll tell you this. When, you're, when you are underweight like that, you have no body fat, first of all. Your cycle stops. Your cycle stops when your body fat drops below 10%. That's one thing. The other thing is that when you have no body fat like that, your body, in the absence of foods, it metabolizes muscle instead of body fat, and that's a bad, bad thing. Excuse me. I'm, just, I'm getting over something, so you're going to hear me cough a lot, and I, I, pre, I apologize prematurely for that. Um, but your body is going to consume muscle tissue in, abs, in the absence of body fat, which is why overweight people when come times of famine fare better than underweight people. However, I haven't seen one Western cultured country or area, one country area of Western culture, Western influence, democracy and capitalism and all of that, that's suffering from a famine. So I haven't seen many Middle Eastern places and I kind of been around the Middle East. I haven't seen many of them that have been suffering from famines either. So the only place I really see famines were like in Africa. I'm sure I, I heard there was one in Cambodia because of communism. There's There was a famine a long time ago in China. That was way before my time. But as far as a modern-day famine, somebody tell me where a modern-day famine is going on. Somebody. Leave it in the comment section. But anyway, back to the article. Aspects of the female body may be attractive because they signal evolutionary fitness. Greater body fatness might reflect greater potential to survive famines, but an individual carrying larger fat stores may have poor health and lower fertility in non-famine conditions. And I told you, I told you, I told you why that was at the beginning of all of this. That sounds like that sounds like something else. Scientific paper that something so much insensitive grandma would, grandmother would tell them if she were strangely into Darwinism. And I don't know what she has against Darwinism because there are certain aspects of Darwin, Darwinism that are actually actually pretty true, actually rooted in fact. 
We're talking certain aspects of evolutionary theory and certain aspects, no, not even certain aspects, all of the theory of natural selection. So I don't know what she has against, she's, but this is the same, this is the same type of woman here that would say when it comes to the vaccines, trust the science, even though the science was like literally wasn't there when it came to the COVID-19 vaccine. The science literally wasn't there when she says trust it. But when it comes to Darwinism, all of a sudden Darwinism is something that needs to be discounted, even though time and time again it was proven. Things about Darwinism have been proven, like certain aspects of evolutionary theory, like certain aspects of natural selection. Yeah, even all aspects of natural selection, because natural selection is a thing. So in that case, See how this buzzword, heteronormativity triggering? We already know, right? It reads, men still prefer to be young. Men still prefer women to be young and skinny, says new study. Um, so I don't know where that came from, but okay. Nothing that this, uh, noting that this preference has existed for a while and the study wasn't of urgent need. But since it's been done, let's dissect the study and the article. Yes, let's, let's do Researchers conducted, conducting the study used a sample of 1,327 men from only 10 countries. Only 10 countries? So what would have been the magic number here, Rosemary? 11 countries? 15 countries? Like, what, what, what would you have done? <laughs> you know, because something tells me that I don't think you've done this kind of uh, research and published it in any, published any kind of peer-reviewed paper. So I'm not understanding how you get to talk about what these people do, right? But anyway, uh, sample size 1,327 men from only 10 countries. While that sample size is fairly decent, and it is, uh, surveying men from only 10 countries can hardly be seen as a comprehensive guide to what men of today really think about women. I would think so because, and and it also depends on the 10 countries. You're talking about how, because remember, Western, if, you, if it's Western countries, so you take USA, Canada, Mexico, USA, Canada, Mexico, right? So like England, Ukraine, Netherlands, Sweden, Denmark, Germany. So those countries, right? Now, if you want to get the Asian countries, you have places like Korea, China, Korea, Japan, Thailand, Vietnam, the Asian countries, right? So, or you can go with African countries. So, Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe, Congo, Mozambique, West Africa, um, Cote d'Ivoire, South Africa. So, all of these other countries, right? So, it de- it does depend on the it, it depends on the ten countries. But if you get ten countries that have aligned, that whose cultures are aligned, you can absolutely get a perfect sample or a perfect representation of what men in certain cultures think. So I don't know where you get that 10 countries can hardly be seen as a comprehensive guide. It absolutely can. But let's keep going. The participants were also 21 sample images of women with varying BMIs and asked to rate the attractiveness of their bodies. This is bad and demeaning practice. BMI, excuse me. BMI has been debunked as an indicator for health. And the procedure they choose reinforces the sex paradigm. Hold up. Let's take a little break for a second. Mm. Ooh, okay. 
Where was I? You know what? I'm going to take a break. My voice is messed up. I'll take a break and I'll be right back. Listening to ABC on SoundCloud. Hey, let's take a minute and meet Clark Kent. Our Superman. Chief, believe me, you're in for a treat just as soon as Jimmy gets back here. Great Caesar's ghost. What's holding him up? You know I can't work without a good breakfast. Chief, Jimmy's bringing a box of Kellogg's Sugar Smacks. All the more reason for hurrying. Confounded, that boy knows I like those new Sugar Smacks. And he knows I do, too. And that's a cinch. Well, here I am. Young man, if you spill those new Sugar Smacks, you're fired. Golly, Chief, I hadn't opened up the box yet. But I'm going to now. Well, I guess we all agree on Sugar Smacks. Right. Folks, don't wait. Get Kellogg's new Sugar Smacks. They're better than ever. Puffs of wheat, sugar toasted, and candy sweet. You get, just get, Kellogg's Sugar Smacks, brand new. A Northwest Mountie, and he's been trailing this desperate character for three years. And I'm tired. Uh, well, it's him or me. Uh-oh. He's got an aching head, an upset stomach, and an empty gun. What you need is some Alka-Seltzer. You know what they always say. Yeah, a Mountie always gets his man. Oh, no. I mean about Alka-Seltzer. Relief is just a swallow away. Well... that relief-giving Alka-Seltzer. For that headache and upset feeling, take Alka-Seltzer. Relief is just a swallow away. Hi, kids. Look at some delicious magic with the extra-good chocolate-flavored syrup, Bosco. Now watch. Take ice cream, spoon on extra-rich, extra-thick, extra-chocolatey Bosco syrup. There's the best chocolate flavor you ever tasted. More Bosco magic. Cake, ice cream, topped with extra thick, extra chocolatey Bosco syrup. Try it. Bosco also makes milk chocolatey delicious. Tell mom to get Bosco chocolate flavored syrup for you. Sing out. I love Bosco. It's rich in chocolate tea. Chocolate flavored Bosco is mighty good for me. Mama puts it in my milk for extra energy. Bosco gives me iron and sunshine vitamin D. Oh, I love Bosco. That's the drink for me. I'm spaceman. The moon and sun and all the stars are great big tester robots. I'm a princess. Yes, my lord, it's a party tonight. We'll have to do a pop. All the kids in the neighborhood say to do pops are triple good. Triple good. And do you know why? Sure. Because one, there's good tasting hard candy outside. And two, there's a delicious center of Tootsie Roll inside. And three, only Tootsie Roll Pops are such fun to eat. That's why they're triple good. And don't forget Tootsie Roll Pops come in a party pack, too. Ten Pops 
and assorted flavors. There's a game on the back that's lots of fun to do. All the kids in the neighborhood say Tootsie Roll Pops are triple good. Triple good. You'll love Tootsie Roll Pops. Hi, I'm Mike Wallace with a sensational shortening discovery for better baking and frying. It's Procter & Gamble's Golden Fluffo, the first all-new shortening in 40 years. It's rich. Its color is golden yellow. And what a pie it makes. Richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing. But let's hear what Mrs. Thelma Styrus, Indiana State Fair baking champion, had to say about Fluffo. I love Fluffo. It makes such a golden brown pie. Oh, man, that's some apple pie. Well, Mr. Wallace, that's a prettier pie than I ever baked with plain white shortening. And look how flaky it is. This yellow Fluffo is such a short shortening. Makes pie crust so rich. Like cooking champions, get richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing results in everything you bake or fry. Get golden Fluffo. Yoo-hoo-hoo. I've got a Swiss cream sandwich for you. Crisp golden cookies and in between. An extra thick. It's my pick. Filling of cream. Dessert time. Tea time. Don't miss Swiss. As the man around here, you can quote me on this. Yoo-hoo-hoo. Yoo-hoo. It's Swiss cream sandwich for you, and you, a truly different cream sandwich. Swiss cream sandwich baked by Nabisco. The luscious, creamy fillings in a class by itself. No other like it. And these tempting vanilla cookies are so light they melt in your mouth. You, it's Swiss cream sandwich for you, and you, Swiss cream sandwich. Say, it's time for my favorite dance team, so let's look. Ah, a box of matches and a pack of old gold cigarettes. That's all you need, my friend. And you're enjoying the smoothest, mildest, tastiest cigarette ever created. A treat instead of a treatment. That's old gold cigarettes. Made by tobacco men, not medicine men. To give you the cigarette that treats you better in every way. Because in every way, it's a better cigarette. Good, huh? Yes, for a treat instead of a treatment. Get a pack or get a carton of old gold cigarettes. Right now, this is Dennis James reminding you to keep smoking old gold cigarettes. Thanks. To help carry on our important work, I want you to join the secret squadron and wear this official badge and have this secret decoder. Following each week's adventure, I'll send an important secret message and only secret squadron members who have decoders can decode them. Also, later I'll tell you the simple rules for joining the secret squadron, but you must promise to do as I do. Keep yourself healthy and mentally alert and drink Ovaltine every day. It's the official drink of the Secret Squadron. We Secret Squadron members know chocolate-flavored Ovaltine helps give us what we need for rocket power. Yes, just as a rocket adds thrust during takeoff, Ovaltine can add the kind of nourishment so important for rocket power. 
We drink Ovaltine hot for breakfast. Mmm, good too. And cold for lunch and between meal snacks. And hot again at bedtime to help keep us revved up with rocket power. Believe me, Ovaltine's got what it takes to help you be a leader in your gang. So drink instant Ovaltine every day. The Gemini Space Flights. The trips are long. The training is hard, like this spacewalk practice. But the astronauts do some things you do. In space, they drank Tang. They mixed it like this in a zero-G pouch, because with no gravity, it would fly all over. You don't have that problem. You can mix it in a glass. Up there, they have to drink it carefully, this way. You can drink it any way you like. Tang tastes orangey. Tastes great. Has lots of vitamins C and A. Tang, chosen for the Gemini astronauts. Have a blast. Have some Tang. This man just showered with a new kind of soap. New Life Boy Mint Refresher. A soap so loaded with mint, so tangy, so frosty, it drives wives wicked. Every bar of new Life Boy Mint Refresher contains the essence of 125 mint leaves. Soap has never smelled this good before, and neither have you. New Life Boy Mint Refresher drives wives wicked. Like I have uh, a few problems here. One's my voice, and I had to go and get something from Photos just for that. And I apologize for that. I told you. Well, what I didn't tell you is that I've just got over the latest round of of the cove, and it's really affecting my throat and my talking. So again, this is probably going to be a thing for the rest of the show. I just have to have something that's palliative. Next is doesn't look like my Wi-Fi wants to act right, so there's probably going to be some hiccups in the audio of this show. But again, if you want to hear the high, if you want to hear the high quality audio of it, go to my um, go to my SoundCloud, and then you'll hear it. But let's go on with this article I was reading because this article I was reading is 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 interesting in a lot of messed up kind of ways, right? And when I left off, I said I was reading, and I, where I left off was the participants were all. Showed 21 sampled images of women with varying BMIs and accelerate their attractiveness of their bodies. Let's keep going. This is a bad and demeaning practice. BMI has been debunked as an indicator of health, and the procedure they chose to, to use reinforces the toxic paradigms we see so often today. Rating women based on their attractiveness and nothing else, which nobody's really rating women based on their attractiveness. I mean, no, that, let me not, well, no, let me not lie. Women, yes. Women are rated based on their attractiveness, just like men are rated on their ability to provide and protect. No, attractiveness isn't, it's a, it's, it is an issue to women, but it's a bigger issue to men. Why? Because 
men look at physical beauty and they look at beauty doesn't mean health. It, let's just get let's just get that out there. Beauty does mean health. Beauty means beauty is an indicator of how well the DNA fused together with that particular embryo. When you look at the woman, right? Which means that if I donate my DNA to this person to create a child, how likely is it that? that the child we create will be free of any anomalies in the DNA, which means how likely is it that the child, the child will, be formed, will be born free of deformities or anything like that, or any DNA anomalies? The reason why beauty – this is the reason why the beauty standard is a thing, because the beauty standard indicates the – it indicates the, the – the chances of a child being born free of DNA anomalies. This is this is what Rosemary does not understand. All she knows is feminist indoctrination. I'm gonna take another sip of this. But all she knows is feminist indoctrination. And why rating women on a beauty scale is bad, which is not rooted in anything scientific or anything having to do with evolutionary biology. There's a problem with fem- this is a big problem with feminist ideology. Feminist ideology it completely discounts evolutionary biology, and it's a dangerous thing because that's why dating has gone south, so far south. One of the reasons why, as I'm, I'm not even saying that's the reason why, but um, let's see, let's keep going. So this is arguably, arguably the point of the study. Normalization of things like this is also the reason why we're in this mess. No. The reason why we're in this mess is because of the things that you subscribe to, Rosemary. And like you say, um, BMI has been debunked as an indicator for health. It absolutely has not been. In fact, BMI is probably the chief indicator. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, if you have if you have a low BMI, you're not going to get AIDS or anything like that. Or if you have a low BMI, you don't have, like, heart problems or anything. That's That's not what I'm saying. But you have a higher BMI, the chances of you having cardiac issues is higher. The chances of you having diabetes is higher. Do small people have diabetes? Absolutely. There is such a thing as um, as a congenital diabetes, which which you were born with, inherited diabetes, um, things like that. The children grow up with into adulthood because the pancreas just never worked from birth. Understood, right? However, uh, when you the biggest the biggest cause of preventable diabetes is I'll take another sip. The biggest cause of prevent, preventable diabetes is weight. If you control your weight, if you don't have diabetes and you control your weight, chances are you won't get diabetes. If you don't have diabetes and you become morbidly obese, chances are you're going to develop diabetes. I mean this is this is the thing. If you have if your blood pressure is normal and you gain a lot of weight, your blood pressure is going to go high. It's going to go high. You'll get hypertension. What's the biggest cause of preventable hypertension? Being overweight. If you drop the weight, chances are if you don't have if you don't have you know congenital hypertension or anything like that or inherited hypertension, if you if you gain weight and you develop it and then you lose weight, you lose it. I mean, you it'll go away. I mean, this is this is medical. This is medicine 101. Like any doctor will tell you. Especially talk to 
well, you can't talk to Dr. Now, but if you listen to some of the things that Dr. Nazardin says in the show, My 600-Pound Life, just listen to the man. It, it's He knows. He's been in this for like 40 years now. He knows. So watch My 600-Pound Life and listen to what the man has to say. The biggest the biggest uh, cause of preventable disease, certain, pre- certain preventable diseases, is being overweight. I don't know how this escapes. Well, I know how this escapes this woman here because, again, the feminist indoctrination causes her to reject these kind of things because at, she subscribes to the Hayes Principle, which is healthy at every size, and, it's absolute, and that is absolutely not a thing. Anyway, uh, let's see. Let's keep going. Red Online writes to the study. Of course, Red Online only whatever. Uh, the most popular card depicted uh, depicted a female body with a BMI of 19. Ooh, let's address that in a little bit, all right? Put a pin in that. We're going to come back. Which is borderline underweight and associated with you. Okay, so not only do men uh, prefer women who are borderline overweight, underweight, according to the standard of BMI used in the study. Well, yeah, because mm, it's not even a standard of BMI used in the study. The standard of BMI doesn't change. Doesn't change. So the BMI standard used in one study is the same BMI standard used in another study. So it doesn't change. So I don't know where you get that from. But anyway, this is another toxic idea to perpetuate, and it's here that we have a responsibility to talk about the mass pressure studies like this and the way they talk about them. Mass pressure studies like this and the way we talk about them puts on women. Okay. Put a pin in that too. Now, Let's go to the PJ article because the PJ article is what she references, right? And she has a big problem with this abstract because she figures that she figures that this abstract is poisonous and it puts a lot of pressure to conform to some kind of beauty standard on women, right? However, listen to the abstract of the actual PJ PJ study. Now, it says the abstract. And you can find this at PeerJ.com slash article slash 1155. This is article number 1155. So go to PeerJ.com slash articles slash 1155, and you'll find it, okay? You'll get right to it. Now, it says, aspects of the female body may be attractive because they signal evolutionary fitness. Remember I said about evolutionary biology? Here we go. Aspects of the female body may be attractive because they signal evolutionary fitness. She, She blew right past that one. And, uh, went to the, uh, and went to the next line, which is greater body fatness might reflect gender potential to survive famines, which I already addressed. But it says, but individuals carrying larger fat stores may have poor health and lower fertility in non-famine conditions. That was in the article. Now, here's what, that's, where, that's where she stopped, and there's a reason why. The next line says, a mathematical statistical model using epidemiological data linking fatness to fitness traits, right? Because remember what I said. Um, the heavier you are, you start developing cardiac and uh, cardiac issues and pulmonary issues. This is standard across the board. This is basic medicine. The biggest, um, the biggest contributor to those diseases is weight. Even Dr. Nazarden will tell you that. I told you that. Now, I'll be sipping water throughout this whole show, so bear with me. Now, it says participates for three Caucasian populations. Three Caucasian populations. Um, Australia, Lithuania, and the UK, three Asian populations, China, Iran, and Mauritius. I have no idea where Mauritius is, but it sounds like a wonderful country. And four African populations, Kenya, Morocco, Nigeria, and Senegal. That's the 10 countries. Now, you notice how she didn't notice what the 10 countries were. Why? Because she wanted to paint the the image that these – 
that these ten countries were all homo- all suffer from homogeneity, which means, oh, if we read if we read this, then we'll automatically assume that these were all white Western Westernized whites, mainly white populations. Which again, which is why she threw in the term heteronormativity, because people automatically, especially in this day and age of Marxist ideology running rampant in this society, people automatically associate heteronormativity with whiteness. Not true. And again, she didn't mention the countries, but if you if you look at what the countries are, you see Austria, Lithuania, UK, China, Iran, Mauritius. So you you have across the board. Ten countries across the board, and the results were the same. So the the um, the picture she you can see now the picture she is trying to paint is actually bunk, and that different societies do hold some kind of standards for for beauty and is rooted in evolutionary biology. This is what this abstract is saying. She has a problem with this because of her feminist uh, indoctrination, but let's go on. There was an inverse linear relationship between physical attractiveness and body fatness for BMI in all populations. For the liberals out there, let me translate. Inverse, that means opposite. That means the higher the body fatness, the lower the attractiveness. That's what inverse linear relationship means. If it was just a straight linear relationship, it would mean the higher the body fat, the higher the attractiveness. Now we know this is not so. This is not so. There is an inverse linear, which means the higher the body fat, the lower the attractiveness. Now, it says lower body fat was more attractive to at least BMI 19. Again, and I should do a show called The Balance of 19, but, but I'm going to get into 19 in just a little bit, so please put another pin in that number 19. There was no peak in the relationship over the range we studied in any population. Um, WHR was a significant indi- was a significant independent, but a less important factor, which was more important in African populations. WHR means waist to hip ratio, um, because another scientific study was done a long time ago. I remember reading this in the early 90s, and they said that there was a certain waist to hip ratio, and I think it's 0.7 that most men can um that most men considered attractive because that waist to hip ratio signified the ability to carry and birth children successfully. That is a study. And I think I will if when I find that study, I'm gonna dig that study out this week and when I find it I'm gonna post I'm gonna talk about it on the future podcast. Okay. But yeah, it's zero point seven. Zero point seven zero. Now, that's the waist to hip ratio. And they're saying that the waist the waist to hip ratio was a significant independent but less important factor across the board, but it was more important in African populations. Predictions based on the fitness model were not supported. Uh, Raiders appeared to use body fat percentage and BMI as markers of age. The covariance of body fat percentage and body mass index with age indicates that the role of body fatness alone as a marker of attractiveness has been overestimated, which is which, again, when Rosemary says that the society places attractiveness above anything because of uh, BMI, because of weight, this this debunks that. But she missed she missed that part. She only picked out she only cherry picked what she wanted to pick. Excuse me, I have to drink some more water. Now, let's go back to this because now the now nineteen now we now I talked about twenty nine right twenty nine. 
when you have a BMI of 29, and let me get, let me go to this. Let me, let me shrink that real quick. Let me shrink my studio. Now, I pulled up again when I did my last podcast on SoundCloud. And hang on, while my, I'm not going to be taking phone calls while my studio is minimized for obvious reasons. But when I did my SoundCloud, I put out that 29. When your BMI is 29, and the average, the average woman being five foot four, 179 pounds, that puts their BMI at 29.2, which means the average woman in this country is overweight, and wondering why they're not, they can't find anybody for longer than just one night or two nights or just a short-term relationship is because. Men aren't looking for 29s. They're not looking for 30s. They're not looking anything. They're not looking for anything over 29. They don't even look for 29s. They're looking for 19, 20, 21. What's 19? 19 is, and again, I pulled this up. Where is it? Here it is. So I pulled this up. And again, Mayo Clinic has the best BMI calculator on the planet. Why? Because not only does it take height and weight, but also waist circumference, which is the third, which is the third piece of the puzzle. A lot of them, a lot of these BMI calculators only do height and weight. But just getting height and weight, you won't get you won't get a proper BMI. You need weight, you need height, you need weight, and you need waist circumference. With those three, you will get a very accurate BMI. Now, with BMI, if you're five foot four, go to the Mayo Clinic Look, uh, look at their BMI calculators and do this for yourself. A female who's 28 years old, and this is just numbers I plugged in, height 64 inches or 5 foot 4, weight 110, waist circumference 24. There's a reason why I picked 24. So height 60, height 5 foot 4, weight 110, waist circumference 64. Your BMI is 18.9, 19, right? If Let's see, I think I did 30, and 30 pushed it to 19. Did it not? Did it? Yes, yes, yes. Hold on. Let me calculate that real quick. Let's take a 30-year-old. No, it's the same thing. So your BMI is still 18.9. It's still 19. That's what, this is what men are looking for. 30, and again, 36, 24, 36. Why did, make, why did I pick a waist circumference of 24? Because I asked Bing right after I read these numbers, I asked Bing, and let me pull up. Let me pull up the answer that Bing gave me. Right, Bing is AI. I said, "Hey Bing, give me measurements for attractive women." This is why I put the search box. Hang on. And what did, what did Bing spit out? Bing spit out, according to many fashion and beauty experts and body measurement charts available in various health and fitness websites and journals, women with a 36-inch broad bust, 24-inch broad waist, and 36-inch Broad hips look gorgeous in almost every outfit. Thus, you can take 36, 24, 36 as the ideal measurement for women. This is a big, don't, don't listen to me. This is what big AI says, right? But let's, let's do this. Um, let's, pull out my cal- let's pull out my calculator. And I click that and my calculator, right? And I believe, I believe if I do 24, I think it was divided by 36. Boom, 66. So this is a weight ratio of 66, um, of 0.66. Again, 
0.66. I was close. 0.7, So I was close. Um, it can also be translated as 34, 34, 24, 36, which, again, um, 24 by 36. Oh, no, let me clear that out because I do believe that. 24 divided by 36, and I do believe that's 75. Nope, 66. Okay, the same thing. Uh, 26, 24, 36, right. Uh, 38 is pushing it. 34. Excuse me. 63. So 26, 24, 34. How about that? Between 34 and 36. Excuse me. So that's where I get these from. Oh, let me bring back up my studio. Sorry, folks, this is studio. My phone call is freaking awesome. I love that song. I don't know why I have to say any skit. I just think, excuse me, have these random thoughts like that. Like, geez, get more water. Well, you're hearing me go through all kinds of stuff today, aren't you? Focal issues, thought processes, things like that. Anyway, so now you understand, but now you, I hope you understand. I hope I, I hope I put this together for you in a way that's a little more palatable than what this woman is trying to say. Um, I'm not sure if I should go on with this article because it just gets more toxic from there. I mean, they talk about talk about pressures of beauty standards and things like that. It's not really the pressure of beauty standards. I'm going to say this. I'm going to take a break. It's not pressures of beauty standards. It's, excuse me. It's not pressures of beauty standards. It is, it's healthy. It's what's healthy and what's going to attract you and mate. Because whether feminists like it or not, evolutionary biology makes men, makes men more visual creatures. They're attracted to what they what visually pleases them. So when you talk about healthy at every size, not so. When you talk about every woman is beautiful, no matter how big she is, not so. And I'm sorry if you think that you're like 5'4", you're like 190, and you think you're beautiful. You know, I'm not, I'm not, well, no, I'm not here to offend anybody. Don't get me wrong. I'm just here to tell the truth. And if you're five four, you're one ninety, and you have like a thirty four inch waist, and a, and a, and a hip circumference over forty, no, I'm sure you can find. I'm sure there are chubby chasers out there. Like I said, in my show, I'm sure there are chubby chasers out there. But the majority of healthy men aren't going to want that. And given a choice between you, who's five four, one ninety or two hundred. Versus somebody that's 5'4", 110, that's 36, 24, 36, that man is going to take, with some caveats, now there's some caveats there, and I might talk about in the next segment, but that man, 12 times out of 10, will take the 36, 24, 36, 5'4", woman, given everything being equal. Let's take a break, and when I come back, I'll talk about I'll talk about the parent issue because that's pretty important. So that's it. You're listening to ABC's podcast. Hey, let's take a minute and meet Clark Kent. You're a Superman. 
Chief, believe me, you're in for a treat just as soon as Jimmy gets back here. Great Caesar's ghost. What's holding him up? You know I can't work without a good breakfast. Chief, Jimmy's bringing a box of Kellogg's sugar smacks. All the more reason for hurrying. Confound it, that boy knows I like those new sugar smacks. And he knows I do, too. And that's a cinch. Well, here I am. Young man, if you spill those new sugar smacks, you're fired. Golly, Chief, I hadn't opened up the box yet. But I'm going to now. Well, I guess we all agree on sugar smacks. Right. Folks, don't wait. Get Kellogg's new sugar smacks. They're better than ever. Puffs of wheat, sugar toasted, and candy sweet. You bet. Just yet. Kellogg's sugar smacks, brand new. A Northwest Mountie, and he's been trailing this desperate character for three years. And I'm tired. Uh, well, it's him or me. Uh-oh. He's got an aching head, an upset stomach, and an empty gun. What you need is some Alka-Seltzer. You know what they always say. Yeah, a Mountie always gets his man. Oh, no. I mean about Relief is just a swallow away. Well. Down, 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 the stomach through. Round, 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 the system too. With Alka-Seltzer, they always say, relief is just a swallow away. Bless that relief-giving Alka-Seltzer. For that headache and upset feeling, take Alka-Seltzer. Relief is just a swallow away. Hi, kids. Look at some delicious magic with the extra good chocolate-flavored syrup, Bosco. Now watch. Take ice cream, spoon on extra rich, extra thick, extra chocolatey Bosco syrup. There's the best chocolate flavor you ever tasted. More Bosco magic. Cake, ice cream, topped with extra thick, extra chocolatey Bosco syrup. Try it. Bosco also makes milk chocolatey delicious. Tell mom to get Bosco chocolate-flavored syrup for you. Sing out. I love Bosco. It's rich in chocolate tea. Chocolate-flavored Bosco is mighty good for me. Mama puts it in my milk for extra energy. Bosco gives me iron and sunshine vitamin D. Oh, I love Bosco. That's the drink for me. Man. The moon and sun and all the stars are great big to drop up. I'm a princess. Yes, my lord, it's a party tonight. We'll have to do a pop. All the kids in the neighborhood say to do a pop. The triple good, triple good. And do you know why? Sure. Because one, there's good tasting hard candy outside. And two, there's a delicious center of Tootsie Roll inside. And three, only Tootsie Roll Pops are such fun to eat. That's why they're triple good. And don't forget, Tootsie Roll Pops come in a party pack, too. Ten Pops and assorted flavors. There's a game on the back that's lots of fun to do. All of the kids in the neighborhood say Tootsie Roll Pops are triple good. Triple good. You'll love Tootsie Roll Pops. Hi, I'm Mike Wallace with a sensational shortening discovery for better baking and frying. 
It's Procter & Gamble's Golden Fluffo, the first all-new shortening in 40 years. It's rich. Its color is golden yellow. And what a pie it makes. Richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing. But let's hear what Mrs. Thelma Syrah, Indiana State Fair baking champion, had to say about Fluffo. I love Fluffo. It makes such a golden brown pie. Oh, man, that's some apple pie. Well, Mr. Wallace, that's a prettier pie than I ever baked with plain white shortening. And look how flaky it is. This yellow fluffo is such a short shortening. Makes pie crust so rich. Like cooking champions get richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing results in everything you bake or fry. Get golden fluffo. Yoo-hoo-hoo. I've got a Swiss cream sandwich for you, crisp golden cookies, and in between, an extra thick, it's my pick, filling of cream, dessert time, tea time, don't miss Swiss. As the man around here, you can quote me on this. Yoo-hoo-hoo, yoo-hoo, it's Swiss cream sandwich for you, yoo-hoo, and yoo-hoo-hoo, a truly different cream sandwich, Swiss cream sandwich, baked by Nabisco. The luscious, creamy fillings in a class by itself. No other like it. And these tempting vanilla cookies are so light, they melt in your mouth. Yoo-hoo-hoo, yoo-hoo. It's Swiss cream sandwich. Oh, yoo-hoo-hoo, yoo-hoo. And yoo-hoo-hoo, yoo-hoo. Swiss cream sandwich. Say, it's time for my favorite dance team, so let's look. Ah, a box of matches and a pack of old gold cigarettes. That's all you need, my friend. And you're enjoying the smoothest, mildest, tastiest cigarette ever created. A treat instead of a treatment. That's old gold cigarettes. Made by tobacco men, not medicine men. To give you the cigarette that treats you better in every way. Because in every way, it's a better cigarette. Good, huh? Yes, for a treat instead of a treatment. Get a pack or get a carton of old gold cigarettes. Right now, this is Dennis James reminding you to keep smoking old gold cigarettes. Thanks. Attention. To help carry on our important work, I want you to join the secret squadron and wear this official badge and have this secret decoder. Following each week's adventure, I'll send an important secret message and only secret squadron members who have decoders can decode them. Also, later I'll tell you the simple rules for joining the secret squadron, but you must promise to do as I do. Keep yourself healthy and mentally alert and drink Ovaltine every day. It's the official drink of the Secret Squadron. We Secret Squadron members know chocolate-flavored Ovaltine helps give us what we need for rocket power. Yes, just as a rocket adds thrust during takeoff, Ovaltine can add the kind of nourishment so important for rocket power. We drink Ovaltine hot for breakfast. Mmm, good, too. And cold for lunch and between meal snacks. And hot again at bedtime to help keep us revved up with rocket power. Believe me, Ovaltine's got what it takes to help you be a leader in your gang. 
So drink instant Ovaltine every day. The Gemini Space Flights. The trips are long. The training is hard, like this spacewalk practice. But the astronauts do some things you do. In space, they drank Tang. They mixed it like this in a zero-G pouch, because with no gravity, it would fly all over. You don't have that problem. You can mix it in a glass. Up there, they have to drink it carefully, this way. You can drink it any way you like. Tang tastes orangey. Tastes great. Has lots of vitamins C and A. Tang, chosen for the Gemini astronauts. Have a blast. Have some Tang. This man just showered with a new kind of soap. New Life Boy Mint Refresher. A soap so loaded with mint, so tangy, so frosty, it drives wives wicked. Every bar of new Life Boy Mint Refresher contains the essence of 125 mint leaves. Soap has never smelled this good before, and neither have you. New Life Boy Mint Refresher drives wives wicked. Okay, so when I was on break, I went back to my calculator, and um, give me for this sound. I have a little lozenge in there. That's just not a little lozenge, so that one later, Candy. But still, it kind of helps my throat. So there we go. Went back to my calculator, right? And um, I plugged in 24, 24 by thirty-four, because again, remember when I said point seven? So 30, 36, 24, 34, or thirty-four, twenty-four, thirty-four which is around the ideal measurements, right? And still with spit out a width, a waist to hip ratio of 0 0.7. So again, between 0 0.65 and 0 0.7 is the ideal, is the ideal waist to hip ratio. And zero between, uh, BMI between 18.5 because 20, I think 24 or 20, I mean, 36, 24, 34 gives you a BMI of 18.7, especially if you're like 100, 105 pounds or something like that, 105, 108 maybe, somewhere thereabouts. But um, that spits out 18.7. So again, you think 18.5 and 19 is what's considered most attractive. That's something a lot of feminists don't, don't get because they're too busy finding, quote unquote, heteronormativity to understand evolutionary biology. So, that's basically, I mean, it's basically what it boils down to. Feminists have no, feminists don't know, feminists don't know evolutionary biology because they reject it in favor of fighting heteronormativity. And it's really dumb. It really is. Parents, how did you go? I think that this is the, one of the, I wouldn't say often overlooked, but there's something to be said when there's something to be said about learning about people's past as far as how they grew up. 
Because what do we always do? The progeny of single mothers are usually the most screwed up. I mean, they're they're in jail more. They have more relationship issues, success in life issues. They have, they have emotional issues and things like that. You know, the product of single mothers, especially if dad's not around, right? But sometimes the dad's around and not really involved, and then they have daddy issues and things like that. And in any case, one of the things that you, one of the things that goes way overlooked is, um, is hey, tell me about your parents. Were you raised in a two-parent household? Were you raised in a single-parent household? Did both of your parents work, or did one of your parents work? If one of your parents worked, which one worked, right? Because there are some households where, ooh, that just got sour. There are some households where the the mother works in the father's home. Other households, other two-parent households, where the father worked in the mother's home. Other two-parent households, where they both worked, and the child was a latchkey kid. Me, my dad was in, my mom and dad had divorced when I was five. Um, my dad was always heavily involved, though. So I grew up in a pseudo two parent household. I mean, of course, my mom and dad were divorced. My dad lives somewhere else. But he was always, he was always very involved in our lives. So I grew up with his influence. And my mom's influence, too. That's how I know so much about medicine. Um, but some people aren't that fortunate. However, I said that to say this. It's kind of a latchkey kid growing up. So being a latchkey kid, if you're a Gen X or you know what being a latchkey kid is all about, a lot of y'all know what, I'm not going to say all of you, but a lot of y'all know what being a latchkey kid is all about. Being a latchkey kid, I have my books and um, things like that. So it's always reading and reading different medical journals because my mom had them around and nursing magazines and things like that because my mom was a nurse for all of my life and probably all of my brothers and sisters, older brothers and sisters' lives as well. I think she became a nurse when she first got to the country. She's from Belize. Um, but I digress. Being in, being a latchkey kid, um, you learn to kind of rely on yourself. And it became the downfall of a lot of Gen X, especially Gen X women who were, who grew up as latchkey kids because they learned to rely on themselves. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, learning how to rely on yourself. But when you're talking about getting into some kind of committed relationship where two people have to make the go of it and complement each other and not try to be people's equals or be people's complements, I think a lot of Gen X women grew up not understanding that because they have learned to rely on themselves. Again, I'm not saying learning how to rely on yourself is a bad thing. It's not but at some point, you have to realize, or you have to kind of let go and realize that when you're in a relationship with somebody, you are their, you're not their equal, you're their complement, which is a whole different thing. Um, it's not yin and yin, it's yin and yang, and they complement each other. So you show up each other's shortcomings, you're not on the same level, you're two different people that complement each other in, to make, to form a whole relationship. I always say you can't. Excuse me. I say you can't have two bulls in one pen. <laughs> and absolutely true. You can't have two bulls in one pen. You can't have two cows. It's just not going to go. It's just not going to happen. You know, blah, blah, blah about heterosexual relationships. But it's just, it's true. Likewise, say you're dating somebody and they're a project of a single mother. 
Now, there are different implications for, for men and for women. Men who grew up in a single mom relationship tend to be a bit on the emotional side, lacking logic, right? Um, probably won't have a problem with emotional availability, but logic will be gone. So if you're looking for him to make any kind of rational, sound decisions, that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> All right. No, not, with a gun, not, with a, not with the male progeny of a single mom. This is not going to happen. Also, um, they tend to be simps, which some women like. Other women, it's an absolute turnoff. So they get, tend to get ghosted a lot. Mm. Excuse me. They tend to get ghosted a lot. Take some water. Women, female products of single moms, tend to have the full royalty syndrome. And I'm going to talk about this in a in a future podcast. Um, then again, a lot of men who have daughters tend to instill full royalty syndrome in their daughters. And I don't know if it's intentional or unintentional. I don't know if it's just like it happens that way or not. I know, but I know a lot of men do. And they tell their daughters, oh, they're princesses. Oh, this is my little princess, and I don't deny her anything, blah, blah, blah. And she grows up with this full royalty mentality that manifests itself in the dating scene, whereas women are walking around saying, he must treat me like a princess. He must treat me like his queen. We're wrapping the black community because black people have a real bad problem with calling each other kings and queens, even though they're not, nor have they ever been connected to any kind of royalty in any of their lineage. If you're still going around giving yourself these titles of nobility, now you're now you're growing up in this environment. And um growing up in this environment, you're now you're walking around thinking that you're royalty and screwing up like screwing up your dating concept, your dating prospects, because you expect everybody to treat you like royalty and it's just not gonna happen. So again, how one is raised has a big impact on how their mentality going into the dating scene. That's why when you sit down at the table across from them, it's pretty important how to figure out, like, you establish early, okay, is this person a product of a single mom or a single dad or where, the, or where their parents both in the house together? You know, I put, in, I put up a Facebook post. <laughs> it gained some traction. Facebook post said this. It said, um, the two-parent household is pretty important. I'm paraphrasing now because I don't have the post actually in front of me. But um, it's a two-parent household is important. I'm going to tell you why. Because women are more naturally suited and, you know, post your agreements or disagreements on my wall. But it said women are naturally more naturally suited for caring and nurturing. Men are more naturally suited for discipline, discipline and logic. And underneath it, I said, nurturing without discipline creates a narcissist. And I said, discipline without nurturing creates a psychopath. Tell me I'm wrong. This is why it's important. Um, when you sit down from your, when you sit down across the table from your date, whether you are a girl dating a guy, guy dating a girl, guy dating a guy, girl dating a girl, whatever the case may be, sit down, sit down across from them and ask them, tell me about your parents. Tell me about growing up. What was it like? Ask them if there was, if 
there's a story from their childhood that they want to divulge. Maybe something embarrassing happened to them. Then they and they learn to laugh it off or something that they used to do as a kid, you know? Try to get them to tell you about what it was like being them as a kid. I have a lot of stories that I tell about when I was a kid, you know? Because I was I was just one of those kids, man. Like I we ran a small little we had a small little fifth grade wrestling ring in the in the schoolyard where we did that professional wrestling. Well, was professional wrestling. We were kids, but we emulated the moves and all that stuff. None of us ever got hurt, which is funny. But um, we used to do that. Um, just running around, just doing stupid things. You know what I mean? Seeing who can seeing who can jump this hedge that nobody could actually really jump, and then idolizing whoever could whoever could jump this fence. And we go out and we build obstacle courses for our bikes and whoever can make this obstacle course, you know. So just this crazy things like that we used to do when we were kids growing up in the eighties. Um it's a goal so go and and so ask them, what what was it like? What was it like growing up? What are some of the things you used to do when you were a kid, you know, and see what they tell you because that has a lot that has a lot of bearing on whether on future child rearing and how they and their prospects on raising kids because chances are, and I'm not saying this is, I'm not saying this is definite, but generally across the board, how you grew up is generally how you tend to raise your kids. Now, people say, yeah, the way my parents treated me is generally the way I'm going to treat my kids, and there's a there's a kernel of that that's actually true. But whatever you used to do when you were a kid. That's probably what your kids are going to do, you know. Or you, you, you may um, intentionally or unintentionally enforce it in your kids. How did you grow up? What were some things you used to do as a kid? And then see what they say. And then if some of the things they do, if they say some, you know, unflavorful things like I used to burn puppies when I was a kid, like, okay, you know, state's over. I I gotta go look at the time. Blah blah blah. Get the hell out of here. But, like, there's a lot of times where people will tell the most endearing story. And, you know, sometimes they do, you know, cute little things like, oh, well, then, well no, if, you're, if they're in beauty pageants, that's kind of a red flag, too, because beauty pageants actually, children in beauty pageants, beauty pageants tend to create narcissism in children. And it's not the child's fault, it's the mom's or dad's or parents' fault for actually instilling that narcissism from those beauty pageants in them. But if they did, if they did like, if there's a woman who did like tomboy things, oh, I was hanging out and playing stickball with them, stickball with all my boys, you know, that could be a keeper. Um, if they're into academics, may or may not be a keeper. If if she's nerdy, she's I say if she's nerdy, she's a keeper. Reason why is because my my old girlfriend is nerdy, and I. Uh, I absolutely love her for it. That's the one thing that really attracted me to her was the fact that she's nerdy. Um, but so that, you know, that could be hit or miss depending on who you are. But again, it's very important. And it's very important that you learn about their parents. And just ask them, tell me about your parents. Where, you know, did you grow up in a single parent household? Did you have two both parents? How was your relationship with your dad? How was your relationship with your mom? Who were you closest to? I mean, all this should be Fodder for conversation and on a date, right? Get some water. All of this should be fodder for conversation on a date. 
I mean, you're supposed to talk about things anyway, right? You're supposed to get to know each other anyway. And if your date tries to shut down any conversation about their upbringing, isn't that a red flag? I would consider it a red flag, you know. So, again, if it's one of those important conversations that need to be had, tell me about your parents. Tell me how. Tell me about how you were raised. Um, because, again, if they were raised in a wealthy family that had and knew how to invest money, they, they're going to be conscious about spending and investing money. That's a keeper, isn't it? Likewise, if they were broke growing up and they understand the value of money from being broke and they learned how not to be broken, how to put their money away because they saw their parents being broken, they don't want to go down that route. Also a keeper, right? But if they um but if it seems like they didn't learn anything and they go around just spending lots in me and doing this because they've had no discipline from growing up because their parents didn't have discipline. I think that's kind of a red flag. It's time to toss in that towel, right? So again, you understand now you understand the importance of getting gleaning the information about their parents and getting to know them and how they were raised, what they did, what they used to do as a child, and how their parents, who raised them, and how they were raised and who they were close to. It's very important. So men, women, when you get out there, ask ask the important questions. And one of those important questions is, tell me about your parents. Again, they'll either be forthright and tell you, which you can glean a lot of information from that, or they'll be like, no, that's the subject I just don't touch, in which case that's a red flag, and you better leave that alone. Like, no click. Going to take a final break, and when I come back, let's go through some um, discussing some OKCupid profiles, and I'll give you the good, bad, and indifferent about them, and whatever final thoughts that I may have, because I'll probably be close to the end of the show by then. So we'll do that. You are – let me find that. You're listening to ABC. You're listening to ABC Podcast. Hey, let's take a minute and meet Clark Kent, star of Superman. Chief, believe me, you're in for a treat just as soon as Jimmy gets back here. Great Caesar's ghost, what's holding him up? You know I can't work without a good breakfast. Chief, Jimmy's bringing a box of Kellogg's Sugar Smacks. All the more reason for hurrying. Confounded, that boy knows I like those new Sugar Smacks. And he knows I do, too. And that's a cinch. Well, here I am. Young man, if you spill those new sugar smacks, you're fired. Golly, Chief, I hadn't opened up the box yet. But I'm going to now. Well, I guess we all agree on sugar smacks. Right. Folks, don't wait. Get Kellogg's new sugar smacks. They're better than ever. Puffs of wheat, sugar toasted, and candy sweet. You bet. Just get it. Kellogg's Sugar Smacks, brand new. A Northwest Mountie, and he's been trailing this desperate character for three years. And I'm tired. Uh, well, it's him or me. Uh-oh. He's got an aching head, an upset stomach, and an empty gun. What you need is some Alka-Seltzer. You know what they always say. Yeah, a Mountie always gets his man. Oh, no, I mean about Alka-Seltzer. Relief is just a swallow away. Well. Down. 
relief-giving Alka-Seltzer. For that headache and upset feeling, take Alka-Seltzer. Relief is just a swallow away. Hi, kids. Look at some delicious magic with the extra-good chocolate-flavored syrup, Bosco. Now watch. Take ice cream, spoon on extra-rich, extra-thick, extra-chocolatey Bosco syrup. There's the best chocolate flavor you ever tasted. More Bosco magic. Cake, ice cream, topped with extra-thick, extra-chocolatey Bosco syrup. Try it. Bosco also makes milk chocolatey delicious. Tell mom to get Bosco chocolate-flavored syrup for you. Sing out, I love Bosco, it's rich in chocolate tea. Chocolate-flavored Bosco is mighty good for me. Mama puts it in my milk for extra energy. Bosco gives me iron and sunshine vitamin D. Oh, I love Bosco, that's the drink for me. shortening discovery for better baking and frying. It's Procter & Gamble's Golden Fluffo, the first all-new shortening in 40 years. It's rich. Its color is golden yellow. And what a pie it makes. Richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing. But let's hear what Mrs. Thelma Syra, Indiana State Fair baking champion, had to say about Fluffo. I love Fluffo. It makes such a golden brown pie. Oh, man, that's some apple pie. Well, Mr. Wallace, that's a prettier pie than I ever baked with plain white shortening. And look how flaky it is. This yellow Fluffo is such a short shortening. Makes pie crust so rich. Like cooking champions, get richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing results in everything you bake or fry. Get golden Fluffo. Yoo-hoo-hoo, I've got a swift cream sandwich for you. Crisp golden cookies and in between. An extra thick, it's my pick. Filling of cream, dessert time, tea time. Don't miss with. As the man around here, you can quote me on this. Yoo-hoo-hoo, yoo-hoo, it's Swiss cream sandwich for you. Yoo-hoo, yoo-hoo, and yoo-hoo-hoo, too-hoo. A 
truly different cream sandwich, Swiss cream sandwich baked by Nabisco. The luscious, creamy fillings in a class by itself. No other like it. And these tempting vanilla cookies are so light, they melt in your mouth. Yoo-hoo-hoo, yoo-hoo. It's Swiss cream sandwich. For you yoo-hoo. And yoo-hoo-hoo, Swiss cream sandwich. Say, it's time for my favorite dance scene, so let's look. matches and a pack of old gold cigarettes. That's all you need, my friend. And you're enjoying the smoothest, mildest, tastiest cigarette ever created. A treat instead of a treatment. That's old gold cigarettes. Made by tobacco men, not medicine men. To give you the cigarette that treats you better in every way. Because in every way, it's a better cigarette. Good, huh? Yes, for a treat instead of a treatment. Get a pack or get a carton of old gold cigarettes. Right now, this is Dennis James reminding you to keep smoking old gold cigarettes. Thanks. Attention. To help carry on our important work, I want you to join the secret squadron and wear this official badge and have this secret decoder. Following each week's adventure, I'll send an important secret message, and only secret squadron members who have decoders can decode them. Also, later I'll tell you the simple rules for joining the secret squadron, but you must promise to do as I do. Keep yourself healthy and mentally alert. And drink Ovaltine every day. It's the official drink of the secret squadron. We secret squadron members know chocolate-flavored Ovaltine helps give us what we need for rocket power. Just as a rocket adds thrust during takeoff, Ovaltine can add the kind of nourishment so important for rocket power. We drink Ovaltine hot for breakfast. Mmm, good too. And cold for lunch and between meal snacks. And hot again at bedtime to help keep us revved up with rocket power. Believe me, Ovaltine's got what it takes to help you be a leader in your gang. So drink instant Ovaltine every day. The Gemini space flights. The trips are long. The training is hard, like this spacewalk practice. But the astronauts do some things you do. In space, they drank Tang. They mixed it like this in a zero-G pouch, because with no gravity, it would fly all over. You don't have that problem. You can mix it in a glass. Up there, they have to drink it carefully, this way. You can drink it any way you like. Tang tastes orangey. Tastes great. Has lots of vitamins C and A. Tang, chosen for the Gemini astronauts. Have a blast. Have some tank. This man just showered with a new kind of soap. New Life Boy Mint Refresher. A soap so loaded with mint, so tangy, so frosty, it drives wives wicked. Every bar of new Life Boy Mint Refresher contains the essence of 125 mint leaves. Soap has never smelled this good before, and neither have you. 
new Life Boy Mint Refresher drives wives wicked. She's a solid six. I mean, you know, 
Um, again, she doesn't. She's not useful as she was in her twenties. Kind of hit the wall, but still, she's still a good look. She's still a really good looking woman in her fifties, right? Um, now I'm not sure because I'm not sure she looks like under the makeup. But again, just from the pictures here, so she's a beautiful woman, and um, she, yeah, she's she's still at fifty four. She's still good looking, and her profile. Let's see. It says, my self-summary, greetings, I'm a compassionate and driven woman, balancing the roles of a devoted mother, so she's a 54-year-old single mother, not sure how old her child is, but that actually has some implications, and a dedicated professional in the world of finance. Now, remember what I said early, let's see, which show was it? It might have been the first show that I did on when I started this whole dating endeavor. I said, um... I said, and especially what I put on Facebook was when you are so busy chasing your degree and then you're climbing the career ladder, you don't have time to learn how to build a home. Building a home is a skill that you have to learn and learn and develop. You're not going to learn it and develop it when you're out chasing your degree and your, um, and your career. And then when, in my first show ever, I said that if um, I said that a woman has two tracks in her life, either the career, the degree career track or the family track, and never the two shall fuse. She chose the career track, all right? So the implications of that is most likely, the implications of that is twofold. Most likely, A, she doesn't really know how to make a home and I guess as we go through this profile, we'll, we may or may not glean that information. And then B, she's probably in her masculine energy from all that competing in the workplace, from competing in college and competing in the workplace, probably still in her masculine energy, which is why she's on OKCupid at 54 years old. Favoring the simple pleasures of life. So right there, we can tell she's trying to appeal to the high-value men. And remember what I said about the high-value men, and I think it was the last show I did here on Block Talk Radio. So there's a difference between a provider-protector and a high-value man. The provider-protector can be a high-value man, but it's not always the case. Some high-value men are not providers and protectors. And go back to my last show, and you'll hear, you'll hear all about that. Let's see. We keep going. Um, I have a passion for cooking, finding a perfect blend of flavors to create delightful dishes. So somebody told her that somebody told her the way to amass hardest through his stomach. However, um, she's but since she opened her profile with her um, educational and career attainments, um, then nobody had told her that men really don't give a crap about that. She should have she shouldn't have opened it with that. If anything, she probably should have opened with how well she can cook, and then left the educational and professional achievements for later in the profile. And that's, and that's kind of a thing too. Like when you put together a profile, if you're, if you're a woman that's looking for a man, right? Because let's face it, there's a man shortage. So there's going to be more women online looking for men than the other way around. Especially if you're a woman, Um, don't lead, do not lead, do not lead, do not lead with the educational achievements. Men don't provide a protector. Men really don't give a shit about that. Um, Lead with, lead with your domestic skills. This woman sounds like she can cook. She should have led with that. Um, if she has any other skills that, that uh, directly port over to domesticity, 
lead with that, and then you'll get the provider protector. Then you'll draw the provider protector man. But if you if you if you start off with your professional educational attainments, then the provider protector man, especially if he's a, a high value provider protector, he's going to look at that like, oh, this woman wants to compete, and no, the you can't have two bulls in one pen. So. Again, this woman may get some she may get some messages in there, but they're not gonna be from who she wants it who she wants it to be from. And that's kind of the thing that I keep saying about listening to listening to people who've been indoctrinated into feminism about what they want. Um I talked about that a couple of a few shows ago when I put out the story about how I met Lucy and I and I said that um, I'm sorry, I used her name. Hope she doesn't hear the show. But I said that when women had, um, when women learn, when women read these magazines, right? And these magazines talk about what men want. The problem with it is that feminists have been feminists have been writing these articles for years, and for years and years and years, and women have been reading these. The problem is when you ask men actually what they want, it's completely different than what the feminists say that men want. However, when you ask men what they want, the feminists will come in, shut that down, and say, oh, he's just being a misogynist, sexist, gynophobe, misogynist, whatever. Try to shut that down with one of the buzzwords. And then they'll turn around and say, we know what men want. Men want people who attained something in their careers. We want men want women who've achieved a highfalutin degree. Men want women who have this kind of income and this kind of high powered position and this level of independence. And then when you actually sit down across from a high value provider protector man and you brag about what it is that you've done, you'll find that he's instantly turned off. Why? Because a provider protector man isn't really looking for that. So you spent all these years You've wasted all these years on your degree and your thing and your career listening to feminists telling you what men want when when you and then when you sit down across from an actual man and ask him what he wants, he doesn't really care about that. And then you're deriding him as a misogynist chauvinist sexist because because you've read things you've read lies from feminists. And that kills your dating life. Anyway, let's bounce back. Um it says, traveling is my way of expanding my horizons, and I thrive on meaningful conversations that go beyond the surface, delving into the depths of life wonders. Okay, a bit verbose, but okay, it's kind of a verbose way of saying that I like to, you know, I like getting to know people and conversations, kind of my thing. And she keeps talking about traveling, which means she's appealing to a high, to a high value man. I'm pretty sure she's tired of funding her own adventures and she wants somebody else to fund her adventures. I mean, if I were a woman, that would, that would just be my thought process. But um, moving on. Uh, let's embark on this journey together, create beautiful memories and cherishing every moment along the way. It's nicely written. Excuse me. It's nicely written. You get some water. I told you, I'm going through it. Uh, this is like my fourth, I think, battle with COVID. And it's, again, now it's just a cough. Like, the first time I caught COVID, it really put me under. Like, I thought I was going to die. I couldn't breathe. I had a fever of, like, 102, 101.5, 102. Sometimes it spiked to 103.5. 
Um, my whole body was aching. I just felt like I was going to die. That was the first. That was back in November of 2019. I remember posting about it on Facebook. Now I just have a cough. Like, this is it. <laughs> so I had a cough and a runny nose. Um, other than that, I was fine. So every iteration of COVID is just gets easier for me. So pretty soon I'm just going to be like, oh, I runny nose. I got COVID. Let's keep going. Um, I, won't even, I won't even have a cough. Anyway, back to this. Um, it's a, that was a beautifully written intro, but um, again, this is a thing where probably she, there are some things she led with that she probably shouldn't have led with. She probably should have led with her domestic skills first, and then, oh, by the way, you know, I have this, I have this career experience and educational experience or educational achievements under my belt. And the way men would look at that, uh, the way men look at that because of that fact is that because she didn't lead with her domestic skills, probably more likely than not, she doesn't have any besides cooking. Just saying. Um, let's see, what I'm doing with my life, I'm working towards a successful retirement. I want to find love, I want to find love again and enjoy life to the fullest. So I'm thinking, so now I'm thinking this woman was married because of something she, else she said in the beginning. She said she believes in power second chance. But she, now she says she's working for a successful retirement. I want to find love again, which means she had love before, which means I'm thinking she was married and got divorced, which is where that um, child came from. And why she got divorced, speculation, pure speculation. But probably has something to do with being in a masculine energy and not dealing well with her husband, which is nine times out of ten the reason why I'm betting you I'm betting you because of that she's the one to file for divorce. But let's keep going. Let's see, I'll probably could beat you at playing piano, so she plays piano. Um so music's a thing with her. I value honesty, trust and meaningful conversation. Which okay, okay. Honesty, trust everybody does. So do all those women over there. What I'm actually looking for, I'm seeking a partner who understands the complexities of life, appreciates my dedication to family, to my family, which means her son comes first, which is another thing a high-value man would look at once. And again, this is a faux pas on her part. She should never have said this um, because she says she seeks a partner who understands the complexities of life, which is okay. It just sounds like a justification. She's trying to justify some of the things she's done in her past. Um and then it says, appreciates my dedication to my family and my career, which means that any man that any man that dates her has to play second fiddle. And I don't know any high-value provider, protector man who wants to play second fiddle. So, again, that's the full power on her part. She should have never said that. Um, values open communication and mutual respect. That's a good thing. Um, I'm drawn to someone who shares my love for adventure, whether it's exploring new places or hiking nature trails on weekends. That's good. A sense of humor is incredibly attractive to me. I believe laughter is essential in any relationship. True. I'm looking for a kind and empathetic soul who appreciates the beauty in small gestures and understands the importance of balancing personal and professional life. Again, the small gestures is a good thing. Um, however, it's left. we're left wondering, okay, is she talking about somebody doing small gestures for her or her doing small gestures for people? I think she'd be well and um, elaborating on that um, and saying, hey, I'm the kind of person who likes who likes to offer small gestures to those that I care about. And, it, you know, it, just, it, 
it just makes it seem like you know you you're appreciative of the people who you love instead of well I'm expecting small gestures from people and if I don't you know which makes me wonder okay why did you get divorced in the first place did your husband not feel appreciated because he played he played second fiddle to your education and your career you know what I'm saying all this is all of these questions have to be asked in order to glean why you're 54 years old and single. Balance uh, personal professional life. So again, a man will read that and be like, "I'm not going to play second fiddle to anybody," and then just keep going. Um, above all, I'm searching for someone who is genuine, honest, and ready for meaningful connection. If you're someone who values loyalty, loves engaging in deep conversations, and find joy in the simple pleasures of life then you might be the partner I've been searching for. And again, she made some, she made some, it's not, I mean, with the picture she has there, if she had done a little bit more of her due diligence and putting this profile together, especially with some of the things she said, I think if she didn't say some of the things she said, her prospects of finding somebody would have been astronomical just because of pictures and how, and the way she looks. She's again great looking. She's a good looking woman. She's she I give her six somewhere between six and seven. At fifty four years old, which is a trip, right? But some of the things that some of the things that she said in her profile, like admitting she's a single mom, kind of hinting around the fact that she's divorced. Um which isn't bad in themselves, but when you're talking about high uh, high value protector provider, they're not really looking for women with kids. So you probably would have, if you wanted a match, you probably should have left that part out. And then when the, when somebody messages you, say, "Oh yeah, and make them have oh, Do you have any kids? Yes, I have a child." And then let them make that decision there. But um, again, that's that. But leading with leading with your Meeting with your career and educational attainment, like literally no man is going to look at that and be like, hey, that's for me, especially when later on in your profile you say that you hint at the fact that any man that gets with you is going to have to play second fiddle to your family and your to your son and your careers. That's not going to happen. So, again, yeah, you're a good-looking woman, but you made a couple of fatal faux pas and – that's why your chances of finding a match here in OKCupid are probably pretty dire. So that's that. I'll do one more. Um, Diana, she's 48 from Seattle. And again, uh, in blonde hair, relatively thin. She is five foot six. She looks like she's about 135 or so. So again, uh, BMI is pretty much is pretty much there. Is there? All right. Say white, other political beliefs, English. She has a graduate degree, employed full-time Christianity. Myself summary. I'm honest. And Diana, yeah, Diana, 48, from Seattle. I'm honest, easygoing, caring, and supportive. I've been alone for five years. It's better than being with the wrong person. Okay, please, please, please don't say that. Please don't say how long you've been alone. Because, the, again, the provider protector band would honestly ask, why was it so long that you've been alone? And then you say it was better than being with the wrong person. Well, what is your idea of the wrong person? That's going to be the next. And then that's going to force you. That's going to force your hand. All right. Um, so don't do that. Don't say how long you've been alone. Just say, uh, just say I'm honest, easy, caring, and supportive. And just leave it at that. 
okay? Uh, let's see. I'd rather hurt anyone with the truth than comfort them with lies. Again, don't say that. Um, I think I'm a rare type of woman looking for serious, very serious-minded men. You won't get one and when you say that you've been alone for five years. It's a current goal to increase and focus on concentration. That's not really a goal. All right. So again, there's not too much. There's not too much besides the pictures here, which again, good-looking woman, but the lack of lack of candor. And the one thing she did say, and it was a major faux pas. Uh, her chances are pretty dire too. I mean, again, she'll get messages from whoever. It just won't be what she's looking for. So this is a pass on that. Um, Irene from Seattle, Asian girl, Irene, 32, Seattle, Washington. I love traveling, walking, nature, beaches, music. Okay. Um, not too, too much there. Um, five, five Asian, not too much there. Uh, she might get some advice from people who are um, interested in dating Asians. Um, but I guess this is one of those things where you'd have to, where you'd have to, um, message her and get to know her in order for her to open up a little more. Nothing really wrong with that. It's just you probably want to say a little bit more about yourself besides what you love to do. Um, that's that. What else? Let's see. We'll pass on that. Uh, Michaela from Lake Terrace, Washington. She's 33 years old. Um, chaotic good. And that's all she says. Okay. Well, let's see the details. <laughs> um, that's herself. Aubrey, chaotic good. Um, woman, straight, monogamous, five foot five, a little extra. Yeah, she's she's pushing it. She looks like she's she's in her high twenties. <laughs> I'd say about twenty six, twenty seven in the BMI. Um, just that's just that's just judging for her pictures. Uh, white, politically moderate, English, undergraduate degree, employed full-time, agnosticism, but it's not important to us. Doesn't smoke cigarettes, drinks sometimes, doesn't have kids, what wants them, has pets. Looking for men for long-term dating. Okay, if you're looking for men for long-term dating, saying chaotic good is probably not a good thing. Because I don't know, if, especially if you're looking for a provider, a provider man, and generally people are looking at long-term relationships are. Um don't say chaotic good because you're never going to find it. Um, let's see. Advancing in my new career, again, that, that lets high provider, provider protector men know that uh, they'll come second fiddle and they don't, and men just don't want that. But advancing my new career, looking into pursuing more education, finding someone to start a family with. Again, um, if they're, you're not going to find it if, you're putting your career and your education first. Just listen to my earlier podcast and you'll understand. A perfect day, an outdoor activity followed by a lazy afternoon at home. That's kind of a good thing. I, I like that. I like that. Okay, I can get with that. What am I actually looking for? Someone that intellectually piques my interest and is dependable, hardworking, and will be a good role model for our future children. That's good. I I do like what I'm actually looking for. Um, intellectually piques my interest. Uh, you didn't put you didn't say anything but chaotic good. 
which means that we don't know what intellectually piques your interest. So that's kind of a that's kind of a smoke screen. But as long, but you said dependable, hardworking, and will be a good role model. Again, looking for a provider protector. Yet you're not going to find one if you yourself summary is chaotic and good. It's, it's just not going to happen. So that's that. Um, I think we have time. Do we have time for one more? Let's pass on that. Um, Kendall, um, again, Kendall, good-looking woman. Uh, she is 30 from Seattle. Um, and, yes, yeah, she's, she's, she's a little Some of her pictures are. Okay, yeah, her pictures are nice. The, the sunglasses, though. Um, some of the sunglasses. She has one night. She has one picture, two pictures with her eyes. One picture, she has her phone covering her face. Which stop with the phone covering your face. Just don't. She has really pretty. She has really pretty, clear blue eyes, which is cool. Um, this one makes no. That's no. <laughs> you don't. You don't want to. This. She has one that is an image that she doesn't want to project. But anyway, um, let's go to the self-summary. I hate this world. This will be the last one. I hate this world, digital nomad living between Baja and Seattle. Um, don't start off with I hate this world if you're looking for somebody. Um, oh, she's pro-choice, so that means she's liberal, right? Political liberal. Yep, she is. Managed undergrad, which, okay, okay. But... Um, I love sailing, secondhand, live music, dark humor, solidarity, psychology, psychonautica, psycho. Yeah, uh, let's go on a hike in Chantel and Chantel hunting, or show me something I've never seen. Into self-assured guys with big laughs and big shoulders. Um, you're not going to find that again. Being no, I'm not saying being true, but politically liberal. What you're looking for is a moderate or someone that's like center right, and they're just not. Um, Anyway, that's my that's my warning. So I'm gonna have to get out of here. But again, um, you understand you understand what I'm saying about some of these profiles, ladies. You're not doing yourself any services with this. So um, so tighten up the shot group. And if you need help with your profile, give me a call and show me it, and we'll go through it. All right. Anyway, I'm ABC. Um, catch me in tomorrow's podcast. Back again, um, yeah, back again tomorrow and Saturday. Catch me then. Peace. Peace. Hey, producer. There we go. I go out and do the right thing.